Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. I speak to you in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Please be seated. As many of you may know, the gospel according to St. John is my favorite gospel. After all, St. John is the beloved. One of the things that intrigues me the most about this gospel is that it is not necessarily organized chronologically. It's more so organized around seven signs. These signs are aiming to show that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Son of God, and by believing in him, you will have life. For those of you who are keeping track, the seven signs are, are first of all, Jesus turning water into wine. Secondly, Jesus healing the royal official's son. Third, Jesus healing a man at the pool of Bethesda. Fourth, Jesus feeding the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. Sixth, Jesus walking on water. And also, no, this is six. Jesus healing a man born blind. The final sign here is Jesus raising Lazarus. But you might be wondering, how did we get to this final sign? Let's back up to the previous chapter. In chapter 10, Jesus is in the temple in Jerusalem, and he is celebrating what we know as Hanukkah. While there, the people gathered around him and asked, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. I and the Father are one. Now in saying this, Jesus did not get accolades. Jesus did not get claps. Jesus was not praised. Instead, Jesus got a first plane ticket to stoning. And this caused Jesus to flee. Jesus fled to an undisclosed place across the Jordan River. Now this is where our gospel lesson finds us this morning. While there, Mary and Martha, two sisters, send a message to Jesus that Lazarus, their brother, is sick. This, in this message, they, they tell Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is sick. And Jesus responds, this sickness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God. And Jesus stays at this location for two more days. Two days later, Jesus said to the disciples, let us go to Judea. The disciples were not having it. The disciples said, Rabbi, they were just trying to stone you and you now want to go back? In other words, Jesus, make this make sense. Jesus gets more clear and tells them that our friend Lazarus has, has fallen asleep and I must go to wake him up. The disciples are still not tracking. And then Jesus gets, ex, gets extre extremely clear here and tells them that Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe what you're about to see. So now faithful Thomas, commonly known as Doubt, Doubting Thomas says the one thing that no other disciple is thinking. He says, well, let us go and die with Jesus. 
When Jesus arrives to Bethany, Lazarus had already been dead for four days. In ancient Jewish tradition, it was understood that the soul remains near the body for about three days. So by the fourth day, all hope of restoration was gone. Martha hears that Jesus is coming and goes out to meet Jesus. Upon seeing Jesus, Martha says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus calmly responds, your brother will rise again. Martha says, yes, I know this. He will rise in the final resurrection. But when it comes down to it, Martha did not understand that this was not regarding this upcoming resurrection. And in hearing this, Jesus gave one of the, the I am statements. The I am statements in the Gospel of John are so profound because they, they peel back layers to help us better understand God and the beauty of his majesty. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Martha responds, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Remember that. Martha believes that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Now Martha informs Mary that Jesus is here, and upon seeing Jesus, Mary says the same thing, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. The Bible tells us that Jesus was moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Being in this state, Jesus asked, where have you laid him? And the people said, come and see. As Jesus was approaching this place this hopeless place of despair, Jesus wept. Martha and Mary came with the same proclamation. Lord, had you been here, had you come when we had asked you to come, Lazarus wouldn't have died. And Jesus responds to them in two different ways. To Martha, Jesus comforts her in saying, your brother will live, and gives her truth in saying, I am the resurrection and the life affirming his divinity. But to Mary, Jesus just weeps, affirming his humanity. Jesus did not give them a cookie-cutter answer to their suffering and sorrow. Jesus did not use this as an opportunity to tell them why they are suffering. Jesus did not respond with righteous indignation, which he could have, because when Jesus got the message, he was fleeing. And they did not bother to ask, hey, how are you? They were so concerned with the affairs of their own lives that they did not consider the well-being of their friend. And graciously, graciously, Jesus did not hold the shock that their suffering inflicted on their faith against them. Instead, we see that Jesus goes into their suffering. Jesus went into their place of pain and gave them a God-with-us experience. We see that Jesus graciously, graciously and personally addressed the suffering of Mary and Martha in a unique way to each person. This is a picture of how Jesus addresses our suffering. And this only matters because Jesus is who he claims to be. Jesus is God. The Christian faith offers us something beautiful. 
a God that is transcendent, creator of heaven and earth, but yet imminent, calls us friend. This God embodied our humanity, understands when we weep, when we're angry, when we laugh, when we rejoice, when we triumph, and when we are just being. This God is not some abstraction that could not care less if we live or die. If Jesus is truly who he says he is, then Jesus transforms the notion of God from an abstraction to a living and breathing person. Not only a person, but a person who knows you. A person who not only knows you, but fully loves you. A person who sees our pride, greed, lust, envy, gluttony, wrath, slothfulness, all the seven deadly sins and then some, and sees our humility, charity, chastity, gratitude, temperance, patience, and diligence. Jesus sees the good, the bad, the ugly, and wholeheartedly and excitedly says, I love you. This teaching teaches us that our suffering and pain is not a reflection of God's lack of love for us nor is it a reflection of God's lack of power, nor is it a reflection of God's lack of knowledge of your specific situation. A friend of mine shared their testimony with me recently. They told me that as a teenager, while they were in the throes of the deepest depression of their life, they were so hopeless and genuinely believed that it was impossible for their world to change. They couldn't see beyond the cloud of darkness that the enemy had hovering over them. Out of their feelings of desperation, their last shred of hope was praying every night for months on end that God would not let them see the coming sunrise. This friend believed that no one would care if they had ceased to exist. Through divine providence, this friend happened to be part of a Christian youth service camp where the facilitator shared the famous story of an old man, a little boy, and thousands of starfish that had washed ashore. In this story, the old man sees the little boy grabbing the starfish one by one and throwing them back into the ocean. And in his cynicism, the old man questioned the little boy, what are you doing? Why even bother? You can't save them all. The little boy, unfazed, said nothing, picked up another starfish and threw it back into the ocean and looked at the man and said, I made a difference for that one. And hearing this story, the students were asked to each grab a starfish token and give it to someone who made a difference in their life. By the end of the week, this friend had so many starfish tokens that they could not carry them all and had to give some away. Just like Jesus knew exactly what Martha and Mary needed in their time of suffering, Jesus knew exactly what this teenager needed. Through this experience, Jesus allowed this depressed teenager to find the courage needed to seek help and the grace needed to walk the path of God's redemptive love and renewed life. Here's what this shows us. If God were a fairy that gave us everything that we ever wanted, then we would be the ones playing God. And that's disastrous because we do not always have 
our best intentions, not for ourselves and not for others. If we are the ones playing God, we would also never love God for who God is, love. We would only love God for what God can give us, our desires. Additionally, we would never see what lies on the other side of our suffering. Because we would opt to always seek our own comforts. As for my friend, God and his goodness did not grant their prayers, and in doing so, gave a sense of resurrection and life in a very real, personal, and transformative way, just as Jesus did with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Our gospel then continues. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb and said, take away the stone. And Martha said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Now remember earlier, she did say that she believed. They rolled away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I say this on account of the people standing here, that they may also believe that you sent me. And then Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Then Lazarus came out wrapped in burial linens, and Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. What I would like for you to notice here is that Jesus did not go into the tomb to have a private resurrection experience with Lazarus. Jesus stood outside and witnessed this with everyone. This almost mirrors creation where Jesus stood outside of the void, in this case, death, and spoke life into existence. Secondly, notice that the next time in this gospel where resurrection is mentioned, the stone is already moved away. The burial linens have already been exchanged for clothes of glory. And death is conquered. And Jesus proves that he is the ultimate resurrection and the life. Now here's the aftermath of all of this. After Lazarus was raised, Jesus, we see that the Pharisees now are plotting even more to kill Jesus. Essentially, this love that Jesus has for Mary, Martha, Lazarus, and you is a love that gives life, journeys through death, and brings forth more life, a renewed life, a resurrected life. Whatever you may be suffering or enduring at this time, silently or not, understand that God, who is all-powerful, all-knowing, who is the creator of heaven and earth, chooses to love you. This love is so deep that he subjected himself to our human condition and to death on the cross so that you may share in the glory that is now and is to come. The Bible encourages us by saying, for we do not have a high priest, that is Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, and yet is without sin. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.